0: The Sacred Dynamics podcast explores some of the biggest topics of our time, including the true nature of reality, the healing and awakening process, the evolution of consciousness, deception on the path, natural law, and daring to tackle the greatest of all quests, the journey of self-realization. Through conscious awareness and the law of correspondence, we engage individually and thus collectively in the restoration of humanity, embodying life itself and our symbolic relationship with nature.
1: Hello, friends. Welcome to this first episode of the Sacred Dynamics podcast. Um, Thank you, everyone, for connecting and being here. Uh, We are very excited about this amazing project. And just to give you a little bit overview of what we're going to cover this afternoon, we're going to go um, and talk a little bit about a brief personal intro of, of Jay and myself. Uh, we're going to be touching on the synergy and our formation and alignment for this amazing project. Then we're going to be sharing with all of you our health opportunities. This is very important. No? It's very, very important for you guys to know where we are coming from uh, with this. And of course, we are going to touch on the relevance of the podcast and for closing the, the, the first episode, we're going to go deeply into what Sacred Dynamics is and how you can interact with Sacred Dynamics. So, super excited. Jay, thank you for being here. And for sure, all of you guys that are listening to this podcast.
0: Thank you, Ro. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Very, very appreciative. Much love and gratitude.
1: And so, why don't we start, Jay, with your personal intro? Okay. Well
0: then, I am the eternal seer. I'm the witness. This sentient expression, which enlivens this mind and body, was named Jason Michael John, although I go by J, as in the letter J. I'm a grateful husband, father and son, and through a series of synchronous events, my life path led south to the furthest most tip of the Mexican Baja Peninsula. Many of my incredible life Adventures will unfold through this podcast, and including what you're going to hear a piece of today, which is a dip into my health opportunity, my personal awakening process, and this subsequent service to heal, awaken, and
1: restore humanity. Ro, how about you? Thanks, Jay. Um, my name is Rodrigo Vargas. I, o- I also go by Ro. Okay. Um, I am happily married, have two amazing boys, and have been living in the beautiful Baja as well for over six years. I've been an entrepreneur and have dedicated my entire professional life to hospitality and education. Since I met Jay, I became a hands-on student, and through the learnings and applications, I've been unraveling the concept of reality and understanding its deeper meanings and uh, and relations. Most of this, of course, will be shared through this podcast series, and I also thank you for asking that nice question.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Why, thank you, brother. What else is going on? Where are we going next?
1: Well, as we said at the beginning, we are going to start going into, uh, first of all, uh, our synergy in our formation and alignment, No, It would be very interesting to start sharing with our audience how we got together and, uh, you know, how this, uh, how this mechanism started flowing. Yeah,
0: how this all came about. Absolutely. Well, I could say that it was an absolute synchronous meeting. The two of us connecting was completely synchronous. And definitely our, the difficulty in our healing journey was the bond that, that brought us together. It was kind of what what's, was the seal on the bond. Um, and so our relationship, I'm very certain, and I know you're certain as well, was meant to uh, to connect on this great mission, to unify. Um, and, you know, we're experiencing this, you know, this huge shift in humanity. And so, you know, our call is to bring this voice, this story, this guidance, to bring it forward for the restoration of humanity and for the realization of the sacred self.
1: I mean... It, it might sound, sound obvious, but I think it's beautiful what we're doing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I agree. That's why we're doing it, brother. That's the point.
1: So, yeah, I mean, we met six years ago. This is very uh, cool because we both actually met here in the beautiful Baja mm-hmm. uh, six years ago, mm-hmm. even though you've been here for over
0: 18 years. Yeah, 18 years down in this, this beautiful tip of the uh, peninsula. Very beautiful place. You know, our interactions were like uh, synchronous and we just started really diving down the rabbit hole. I mean, that was kind of what, you know, it started with communicating on our, you know, wow, you know, I went through this and I went through this. And all of a sudden it was like, OK, now let's start peeling this thing back. And so we started going down the rabbit hole. And and for you, where was your what was the hook for you?
1: Well, for me, it was uh, quite Quite amazing because um, before meeting Jay, I was really deep into the restaurant industry, hospitality, and all of those things. And for sure, I was consuming everything. <laughs> you no, know? so everything. I was actually twenty kilos above what I am right now. Mm, uh, mm-hmm. Quite interesting. Quite um, a
0: voracious omnivore
1: you were. <laughs> I devoured everything, <laughs> like a good restaurateur. Sure. Um, but yeah, of course, uh, having said that, my my hook or the rabbit hole that I went in, thanks to your guidance and uh, and support, was actually uh, had to do with this conscious eating.
0: Conscious consumption.
1: Conscious consumption. But for you,
0: it was c- c- the consumption of food stuff. Like, what am I eating? Why am I eating it? Where before it was like just...
1: If it's in the plate, go for it. <laughs> no? I, I used to say... Um, Everything that can be that, that, that you can add cheese to it, it's good. <laughs> no? like, that, that was sort of my, my approach to food. Fair enough. And uh, yeah, definitely our communications and uh, everything that we started sharing in this connection uh, started showing me like different um, attitudes. Uh, once you start going into this awareness of what you are actually consuming. Uh And so, yeah, um, actually...
0: So your perspective started shifting as you started to become aware of, as you what for example, you know, I remember distinctly that you were, all of a sudden, at first it was like, I never even really conceived I would question what I'm eating. I would just, you know, and then all of a sudden you started going what is in there? Why am I eating it? What does it do? What is the point behind it? Where am I getting energy from it? What is this? And it just kind of just started to peel back, right? That was like your entrance point to peel all sorts of different perspectives, not just food, obviously.
1: One hundred percent. I remember clearly one of the questions you asked me at that time, and it was, do you know what do you have inside your body right now in terms of food and beverage? And I was amazed. I couldn't answer that question. I couldn't, <laughs> and I couldn't—not that moment, but like my whole previous life. I wasn't aware of what I had in my in my gut, in my body, in my in my, you know. So
0: what a significant metaphor, because really, isn't that uh, kind of hugely metaphoric in the in the way that you see that people are robotically performing all sorts of things. And saying and thinking and all these things without any concept behind it. What is the deeper meaning here? What's the purpose behind this? And it's like, no, I just got to keep on distracting myself.
1: (laughs) Uh, And that's kind of like the inertia when you are not uh, awake to this new information, to this... uh, uh, awareness of what are you actually consuming. So yeah, that was uh, pretty pretty intense for me, you know, uh, but definitely an eye opener, as many other things that we started sharing in our communication. Well, I mean, we
0: we basically we peeled the onion big time. So I mean, you know, we we've gone through. I mean, deception on the path, like nobody's business. I mean, we're going down, you know, what's what's really going on? What's real? And you got to be pretty objective when you're looking, you know, in a direction that you're being told, uh, you know, has already been covered. Like, yeah, that's the way it is. And it's like, really, is it though? And then you start peeling it back. And then you start to see things like, yeah, well, don't look over here. And you're like, oh, really? Why not? And then you're like, no, don't, 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 don't question this, and you're like, really? Why not? And all of a
1: sudden, you peel this thing, right? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. One, one step, uh, you know, one step at a time, because it's. Uh, I mean, for me, it was shocking, no, to start getting to know some truths, some realities, you know, some perceptions and things, and uh, you know, we met six years ago, so. Now that time has gone by, we can say that during those six years, I was pretty impressed by your your guidance and your help because you were actually very accurate, not only explaining things like conscience eating and, you know, being more aware and using, utilizing, uh, Mechanisms as, you know, uh, meditation and grounding and many, many things that we... We'll, breathing. Breathing.
0: We did lots of work on breathing and Absolutely. becoming aware. And, but what was the... But this foreshadowing that yeah. you're
1: talking about. Those, those things really got my attention. You know? when, when years ago you started saying, some things, some things are changing, some things are coming. And I was really kind of like intrigued And uh, as time went by, and I'm not going to make this uh, story super long, but all of us here listening to this podcast, we've been through the last three years like a roller coaster. Mm -hmm. And some of these things, you absolutely mentioned them before even happening or even before that, you know, lay person like me at that time, you know, was catching on to it, catching on. Yeah.
0: Yeah, you know, the thing is, is that once you're, when you're no longer distracted, you see much clearer. And the more clear that you see, the more that you are uh, alive and available and in recognition. And, you know, there's just all these different things that were coming up through this, this, you know, through this speaker here, through this energy. And I have, you know, I'm kind of had this way of, of articulating what is coming through in the senses, the the you know, what's happening. Um, probably I won't dip too far into it in this podcast, but I can tell you that there's been some very significant events that are pretty intense that I've basically kind of got peeled the curtain back and had uh, been in, in, in some way kind of almost... Saw what was coming up, what was going to happen. And so I was, you know, for yourself and some others that I had been engaging with, I basically was kind of forecasting in some sense saying, look, I'm not trying to tell you the future is this or that, but here's a sense of what's coming. And, you know, things are going to get pretty weird and it's, you know, we're right around the corner and as it does, you're going to see things shift like you've never seen. And I, you know, mentioned what's coming up after that and the climate of what it's going to be like when this settles down and how significant it's going to be that we uh, recognize the position that we need to be in on the other side of this so that we can, you know, bring this
1: forward. Absolutely. Absolutely. And with the intention to give you more clarity on on some of these foreshadowings, I just I just want to say that uh, one of the main topics that that you helped me foresee uh, was actually the the c word, you know. Yes. Oh, the c word, which is you know, very, it became the most popular thing worldwide suddenly. <clears throat>
0: yeah, got everyone's attention, didn't it? Absolutely. So you know, the thing is, is that you know, I had. Through, through my journey, I had already blown apart and decimated the whole virus concept. So before this whole show happened, I had already blown way past that. So, you know, I mean, for those who are uh, still, uh, you know, kind of onto the whole virus concept, um, do your research and do it well. Because uh, I can assure you that you're going to find something very different than what you've been told, and so I was already way past that deal. So I'm not afraid of microbes; they're very important, and you'll find out along the way how that what that means. But I already knew that that was the case, and I already knew that this was a very powerful string because if you notice, what happens with with deception is that you uh, there's always some invisible danger that's around the corner Mm. and you start to notice that that's the modus operandi you see that they are be using this this quote-unquote pardon my words terrorist coming around first it was the terrorists then it's the invisible terrorists and those are the 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 germs and it's just always something that you need big brother to protect you from
1: Absolutely. Uh, and so,
0: you know, I knew that was coming and I had mentioned that that was coming. And then all of a sudden the bomb hit on it. And from the beginning, as you recall, I mean, you know, there was only a small group that I was in contact with who were obviously aware from the beginning, even before this. Most people, though, it took a little bit and they got a little honory with me when I was basically peeling apart their whole their whole idea of this thing.
1: Well, I, I remember when when you started sharing this uh, this c word phenomenon that took place uh, years back. Um, the first time I heard from you these foreshadowings, I I I asked some of my close relations. You no, know? so I went with friends and said, "Hey, I'm I'm I feel that there's something like this happening." You no, know? mm-hmm. just to kind of validate my experience because mm-hmm. for me it was again shocking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so uh I was very surprised to to see the reaction of people that were as me very, very asleep and without even noticing what was happening.
0: Mm-hmm. And it was interesting because they just bought on and just hook,
1: line and sinker. They were just buying into the whole the whole thing. And everything that wasn't that mm-hmm. it was Mm-hmm. Not existent. You're crazy. That's you know. Don't go into there. Anyway, <laughs> but as Jay said, do your research. Do it well. Do it
0: well, and don't stop until you actually peel back to the to the actual uh, truth. And that takes you know that takes breaking apart uh, you know what I call belief communities inside. You got to challenge belief because you know one of the one of the keys to waking up is. Breaking the rigidity and becoming more flexible and anywhere where you're rigid and where you're in belief, you're, you're, you're going to be stuck. And I'll tell you this, and I say this all the time, belief is a leveraging mechanism. It doesn't have to do with it. It doesn't mean it's the truth. Mm-hmm. It's a leveraging mechanism. It's utilized in order that someone could leverage that in order to accommodate themselves towards one thing or another. Yeah. But you got to break through that, and so you got to break the belief, and so you you got to be able to question. It's like if you're looking for the truth, but you're hanging on to something, then you're not really objectively looking for it. You're still holding on to things, and you got to be able to question everything in order yeah. to, you know, to peel back the onion fully.
1: And w- once you start, you kind of like don't stop.
0: Yeah. I mean, you can't unsee things that you really see.
1: Uh-huh. Once you know, you know. No, hmm And so that's, that's kind of like the alignment we have, the formation we have. Um, as I said, we met and, and everything started like bubbling up amazingly. And uh, really, Jay, uh, just to say it before we continue, uh, uh, general appreciation for you. And thanks for giving me all the support in these years. And uh, I'm really, really happy and excited that we're here, not only in the learning curve, which it's a never-ending learning curve, but we are actually uh, doing this effort to transmit and to communicate with all of you guys out there that are listening to this podcast so that you can get uh, things that that may help you in your current experience. Right.
0: Absolutely. Thank you, brother. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. And very grateful for this channel. This has been um, a uh, an incredible journey to get to this chair. And there is a lot of vibrance and life force behind the focus of what we're doing. And so here we go.
1: Here we go. Uh, one of the things that, um, of course, connected us, as Jay mentioned uh, a couple minutes back, it's the fact that we both had um health opportunities right you know? and so i think that it's very relevant for our audience to understand what took place what was our experience mm-hmm. and so that can kind of like help us you know set the, set ground, the
0: ground yeah sure for
1: you know to continue this conversation so so why don't you share with 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 the audience jay about your health opportunity okay
0: well let me preface by saying that i love that you're using the term health opportunity um, I think that even just reframing the way that we communicate is a another s- significant aspect of this work, um, and so you know, talking about someone saying they they claim their sickness or their illness or quote unquote their dis-ease, and they say my problem or and and they're claiming it, and so what we're doing is we're referring to an opportunity that we had within our health, absolutely. And so, both being very significant, um, you know, I would I, I would say that m- m- if my life before quote unquote the fall uh, probably looked pretty great, you know, from the outside, um, you know, I was uh, a new husband uh, and a, a new father, um, you know, I had uh, su- I had success in the career field that I was in. And you know, from the outside, I mean, you know, it looked, you know, I was living in luxury in paradise. Basically, was what it what it pretty much looked like. In a, you were in enjoying, sense. yes, yes, indeed. Um, and then a series of events came through. You know, things that you didn't necessarily correlate at the time. You know, challenges with with business and and what I had happening going on um, previously, and you know, some pressure and. Uh, we my wife and I had an early loss of our second child and I was taking a new corporate path and had a new partnership that I was involved in. And and I just started to find myself wearing down. Um, you know, it was like uh, I started getting like weekend, weekend symptoms. Like, you know, it's like, oh, I got the flu this weekend. Or you would say, oh, I ate something and it didn't sit well. Mm-hmm. And then I would kind of nurse myself back together and go back. In and and you know to my work, and then I noticed that I was getting back these weekend symptoms. Just started continuing, and um, as they progressed, it was like you know basic, like you got the flu, and then they it, it increased, and then it was like heavier, and it was like now I'm like you know I'm continuously circulating with these symptoms, and uh, all of a sudden. Uh, I had noticed a, uh, a growth in my testicle and it was, you know, it was all of a sudden it was like swollen and, you know, I was feeling it and it was like, I was like, Whoa, like this is, you know, this is pretty intense. And at first I'm thinking, you know, I am embarrassed. Like I literally, I don't even really want to bring this up. Like, it's like, this is a private part, man, I'm going to keep it private (laughs) and, uh, And then, but, you know, I was like, wow, this is like, I can't, I don't want to just overlook this because it's like, you know, this thing's starting to be sore and it's, you know, it's, it's moving pretty quick. And so I, I mentioned to my wife and she'd noticed because I'm going through all these symptoms and she's like concerned going like, what's going on with you? And, 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 you know, I was like, well, and as soon as I mentioned this, you know, oversized, uh, you know, swelling, she was like, let me see it. No, like, I want to, you know, I'm going to get down to the bottom of this. And she was right away. She's like, we need to go to the doctor. We need to figure this out. Yeah. And I was like, you know, kind of like, nah, I don't really love going to the doctor. I never did. And I was like, nah, you know, I kind of want to wait. She's like, no, there's no waiting. Let's go get this checked out. And so we go to this uh, uh, urologist and we go see this doctor. And and it was just all of a sudden it was literally like, oh, all right, let's check this out, and then boom—it's like a switch was hit. The doctor's demeanor, everything was like, "Whoa, wait a sec, I know what this is." And all of a sudden, I was like on the fast track with the with the other C word, the 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 cancer word. <laughs> the cancer. He was word. like, "Look, you can get a uh, you know biopsy, but at the rate you're at, I'd say you'd want to get right into r- real procedures here." Like, you know, so that was that time. That time it was like I got rushed into what I would say I was fast-tracked to a rushed castration surgery. Well, wow. Any man who all of a sudden gets the pose proposed castration.
1: Oh, my God. It's it's what they call in, in GHK a DHS.
0: Oh, yeah. That's the... Uh, that's that's the bomb. The doc drops the bomb. And from that, it was like literally went to from that to you need to go into treatments and you need to go into treatments. And I'm looking at my wife going, this is happening fast. And uh, into the metastasis diagnosis, meaning that this thing's now traveled and it's going on through your body. And this led to this cascading effect, um, you know, and I, I went through all sorts of different difficult symptoms and Uh, in effect and they just seemed unending like it was like then this then this then this i mean at one point you know i was my wife was starting to gain a lot of concern i had already left um uh my work i literally at that point i was nursing trying to be you know not trying to be Uh, to get past symptoms and the symptoms were just circulating and i'm now healing from this surgery and pretty i got pretty scarred from the surgery emotionally
1: oh yeah not only when i looked down
0: when i looked like after it was done and i just looked at myself in the mirror i was in shock actually yeah and so talk about a conflict shock yeah So now imagine that because that in in later on, when we start to peel more about the medical, you know, just the overall deception in the medical system, you're going to start seeing how these pieces correlate because I've had the chance to unravel this thing.
1: I was going to say while you were talking about your experience, um, it sounds very familiar. You know, for people that have been gone through these experiences, once you go into the into the hospital and the white coats start appearing, mm-hmm. it, 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 it almost feels like there's a an automatic play that that takes place, no? Yeah.
0: Yeah. It just starts to they just it just starts the wheels start turning and you just start getting pulled down the conveyor belt. So so that was intense. And and as it was progressing, my my intention was that, you know, I had a family, you know, I had a, my daughter was just born at that point and we had just gone off of losing our second child really early in the pregnancy. Yeah. But it was very that alone was a very dramatic experience, actually. And and then now I've got this going on and I've got this family to provide for. And but I had to stop working early on in my, because of this, my functional system. I mean, my whole system was out of whack. Everything was, I was going through symptom after symptom. And I mean, it just kept hitting one after the other. And, and so at this point I was focused on holistic alternative. I, had, I just had this invasive uh, surgery. They were, you know, very assertively pointing me at the you know the allopathic treatments the chemo mm. treatments and you know talking about what method of chemo and things and I was going look I'm going to I'm I'm much more interested in the holistic path I'm much more interested in alternative therapies and you know I wasn't getting much respect from the white coats for that I can tell you mm. back then um And, and so I kind of, that was my intention. And so I was on that path of, you know, I was taking, I mean, I was breaking it down to diet. I was breaking it down to, you know, herbal remedies. I was, I was doing, I was getting into a bunch of visualization. I was using sound healing. I was using, I mean, I was, you know, I was, I was grabbing all these different concepts and I was, you know, I was, I was using breath work at that time and I was just using it in ways to calm, relax, and so that I could get my focus so I could use these, um, uh, visualization meditations and things to start to reverse this. I had my younger brother who was really signature at that time. He was very, you know, he, he was the first in the family to kind of really go into the, um, into yoga, qigong, all these things. And he was there, he was down here. Thank God at the time down in the Baja And he was there for me. And he was really key in guiding me through that because, you know, when everyone's telling you to do one thing and your intention is to do it another way, it's awkward. It's uncomfortable. Everyone's got an opinion. All the, you know, the doctors are unanimous because it's like they just go in and they, they, they have a, a checklist and they're just going down their checklist. They're like, look, this is what you do next. And you do it now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and were you thinking, like, were you uh, following their their advices, or were you, or did you naturally felt something? I just
0: felt I didn't feel uh, I didn't feel like the that their treatments. I just they just didn't feel right to me. It didn't feel like that was the 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 right path. I didn't want to poison myself. I wanted to, I wanted to find my part in it. I wanted to see what. It was that, how how did this come about? What did I do? And what can I undo? That Mm -hmm. was where my scope was on. And then I was just, you know, my wife was super amazing and and very instrumental. And she was, I mean, she was constantly researching stuff and figuring out what, you know, to diet stuff. And she was going the route that people typically go on the, when you go on the holistic side, you start looking at these different things you know wh- what are what are you eating what it can we remove what is you know what are the triggers you're trying to figure this out and as this progressed you know at this point um, you know there was this one fateful evening where I was in this um, holistic uh, healing center in San Diego and there was this one fateful evening and I had been in that center a few times. Let's say this is we're about a year in now where I had been going through being sick and going through these. I had uh, kidney stones. I mean, insane. I had emergency surgery for kidney stones before I even got down the road of where it was, I had blocked urethra and literally had this gnarly emergency i mean the kidney stone pain is just next level man
1: they say that it's like uh, giving birth to triplets at the same time or something
0: yeah well i never gave birth to triplets but i can tell you that it was (laughs) it was intense and like really intense and i had a couple of really intense experiences with it i had emergency surgery on that i was in this i was at that point i was getting full-on night sweats where I was so the bed was soaked I'd roll over I had a room at this uh at this holistic healing center I had a room with two beds so that I could roll 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 the boat and then get on the other bed because it would be dry and then do my rolls on that one because it's so uncomfortable to be soaked and be in pain and be circulating and I was, I had tumors protruding out of my abdomen and my neck. And I mean, people were there at the, at the, you know, at the center were like, wow, dude, I mean, are you all right? Like, you know, like, because at that point I was pretty emaciated and my battery was wearing Mm -hmm. from this constant. And it was this fateful evening. I was literally, I was sitting in this uh, organic garden at this healing center and I was by myself. And the past when I was at that place, I was interacting with people and I was, you know, it's my nature to be, you know, I was like basically helping guide people who were in there. And I was kind of almost overlooking that I was there trying to figure out what was going on. And so I was guiding these people through their experience. And the next time I was there, I was like a broken down, like crawling around. And people were just like, whoa. So I'm in this this, um, garden. And... Uh, it was, it was like, you know, I was, it was in pain. I was going through this deal and it was probably a year that passed. And while I was sitting in the garden, suddenly it was like my entire life flashed before my eyes. It was like all of a sudden, boom, this deep welling sensation where it was basically, I'm about to die. That was what came through my system. I'm about to die. And at no point before that was I like going, oh, I'm going to die or um, nothing like that. But it just it was overwhelming. And it was it wasn't like this fear of, oh, no, I'm going to die. It was like the body was saying, hey, we're about to check this out. This yep. is this is we're about at the end of the road on this. And so my battery was wearing out. And I was, you know, I was just I was really at the peak here. I was at the crisis
1: at the crisis, yeah. For sure
0: and so I spiked in the crisis yep. and so I called my wife I basically you know I at that point I was having trouble walking my left leg was becoming numb I was emaciated I lost a ton of weight probably 50 60 pounds like 30 kilos yeah and and uh, I, I got back to my room and I just called my wife and it was like at that point it was like midnight and I called my wife because I just I was just operating on like this needs to be done and I called her I'm like look uh, this body is ab- I'm literally I I'm about to die I can sense it I'm literally peaking here mm-hmm. and it was really incredible because that was the first time for me that it just became clear what was going to happen and my wife was down in Mexico and it was really amazing because she just went into action and you know it seemed within hours that she had already assembled a team uh, to receive me at the hospital and uh, like literally a triage team that was to receive me and to you know take me in and 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 so these guys are going to run me through their whole deal and so they they transported me to the hospital of angels um and
1: This was in Tijuana?
0: Yes, yes. Tijuana. I went to the Hospital of Angels, Los Angeles. And the team was waiting for me, and I arrived. And literally when I arrived, I was having trouble walking. They rolled up with this uh, wheelchair. My wife showed up literally at the same time that I had shown up, and she had to fly up to TJ. And we both, both basically aligned. My father was there. We all aligned at the same point. And they grabbed a wheelchair and they wheeled me in. And it was just like my wife looked at me and it was like, whoa, man, it was intense. She's just my, my dad's looking at me. It's like, whoa, they're looking at the shadow of their you know, husband, their, of the, my dad's son. And I go in and it's basically like sign here. These guys are waiting for you. <laughs> and
1: Did you read the papers?
0: <laughs> I didn't read anything. <laughs> my, my wife did the reading. I did the signing. But at this point, it was like you know, um, you know, this is what's happening, yep. and so they were waiting to do all these tests, and they basically just fast tracked me into all the tests, the scans, and the, you know, all of the all the tests they were doing, and uh, after this, I you know I went through the tests, and I, afterwards I sat with this the, the doctors, and basically the diagnosis was grim. You know, and at this point it was quite surreal. And so there was this, there was this, uh, the main doctor was sitting there and he had this uh, paper and he had these colored pencils and he like did an outline of the body. And he started drawing with these colored pencils, these different circles and connecting these dots. And I'm just looking at him and he's like, "Um, we're going to probably have to cut off your left leg within 48 hours. And then, and, and, and then the other, the one right after that was, cause I heard that and I went, huh? Like, like it didn't what? seem like, I'm like, what? Like, are you nuts? Like, don't, don't, don't start sawing this thing up. Like, holy crap. And then it was shortly your heart will be compromised. And I'm just listening to this and I'm going, okay, as it's peeling back. And, you know, if you, and, and then the next part was, if you live through this, massive dose. I call it the first hero dose of chemo. If you live through it and it doesn't, you know, and and it doesn't reverse where you're at, you don't, you won't live much longer. Did
1: they mention any like amount of days, weeks, months, or, or something like that? The,
0: the, the, the idea was that I was probably within a week to two weeks of living if there was no intervention. Okay. And I can tell you from where I was out of my body that I I'm not sure if I had a week or two weeks left. It didn't seem like it. Seemed like I was about to check out. Yep. So let's say that you have you may last a few weeks before this before you're completely taken out. And so basically what I said was don't touch my leg and let's start with the big dose and go from there.
1: So you started. You saved your leg. I
0: told him don't touch it. Yeah. And. And let's start with the dose. And they're like, well, we'll see about whether that needs to happen or not. They weren't saying, whatever you say goes, I'm not the chief in this. They're the chief saying, okay, that's what you say now. Like, no, let's see what happens. And so I said, all I said was, don't touch my leg and give me the dose. And so I agreed to go into the dose. And so then they basically rushed me straight into get me hooked up. And the dose was... Seven days in a row, eight hours a day.
1: Of chemo. Yeah. Wow. That's 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 tough, man. That's the hero dose, bro. The hero it's dose. It's only for the heroes. <laughs> so,
0: yeah. So And the point of it was is that they're like, look, we're going to bomb this deal because there's no other option. I mean, you, know, you don't turn this around. You're not going to make it anyway. So why wouldn't you bomb it? Mm-hmm. And so I just, I mean, at that point, I was in the state of agreement. So I agreed to it. And, you know, I literally barely made it through the first round. I barely made it. I mean, I can't even describe what it felt like. I mean, I was already barely hanging on. And so then I just got bombed with, you know, poison. And chemo is, you know, it's like, I can't remember how they, there's a certain intensity level. Like when they say that your stomach acid has uh, a certain caustic uh, you know, measurable level of of how caustic it is. Mm-hmm. Chemo is gnarly, yep. like it just it just it's eats everything. It doesn't just pick out the things that it doesn't like.
1: It pick <laughs> out everything. Yeah, the it, good and the bad. It's not choosy. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: so so anyway, you know. So this you know. So this is what. So this is where I'm at. And I can tell you this. After those seven days, all I can say is is that. I felt like I wanted to peel my skin off. Like I was just grotesque. I was in just the most... I was stuck in this really gross, beat up, gnarly state. I was just... I just literally... Of just intoxication. Get, yeah. Just yeah. just broken down and in, just poisoned. No? And I... Uh, I said that I wanted to leave. I told my wife, I said, you know what? I didn't want to die here. I want to die in nature. I want to get me out of here. And the doctors are like, you can't go in your condition. And I said, watch me. And they're like, you can't leave. And I'm like to my wife, I'm like, are they telling me I can't leave? And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, you let them know that I'm leaving. So what do I need to sign? That's basically where I was at. Yeah. And they were pretty reluctant and they really not. They were pretty pissed off about it. But I said, look, I'll continue this. If I just want to leave here, I want to go back to San Diego. And if I die, I want to die in nature. Take me to the park. Take me away from this. And if I'm, I'll come back. If I make it and I'll continue this until I don't. And so that was enough where they're like, okay, so then you're leaving to come back for the next round. Mm. And so that's how I had left it.
1: They needed a hook.
0: Yeah. So that was the hook. So I said, all right, I'll come back if I make it through this, but I'm not, I don't want to die here. Mm -hmm. And so that's what we did. And, you know, I signed the waiver, forced my exit. And then the journey back to San Diego was probably one of the hardest, most uncomfortable experiences I've gone through. Um, I was semi-lucid, I was super broken, um, and we, were, we had to go. You know how the gauntlet is to cross into the states, from TJ. I mean, that border is next level.
1: You could do so, from any, any, anywhere between an hour to four hours just to, to cross to, that to thing. To a day.
0: And we even had a pass from the hospital, and we went into the pass, into that line, and it was lined up. Because at that border, people hop in any line they can. And so then they have to go up and then they go, nope, you don't have the pass and turn them around. So imagine how many people don't have the pass and are sitting in that lane. Mm -hmm. I'm literally about to die. And I was basically stuck there. And we had had a situation where we were at the border and they were holding us up. And uh, it was very intense. It was very intense. And basically... Uh, sh- short to keep the story short we did make it through the border although we were held up and I was barely hanging on and we arrived at San Diego at the place that I was staying with m- one of my best friends and our dear friends at the time and when the door opened from from the vehicle I just slid right out and did a face plant on the concrete boom on the, on the asphalt and I was like yeah leave me and I just you know I basically waved off uh, you know uh, my family and said, just leave me, just leave me. No, because I didn't have anything left to go on at this point. Yeah. Nothing. There was no, the batteries were out and I had enough of all of it. And I could just, I was just faceplant face plant. And basically I, you know, I said, leave me be. And for a few minutes I was in, in and out of coherence. And I just started flirting with letting go. I was like, yeah. Yeah. (sighs) Like drop this rock. Yeah. And I started flirting with it. And as I was flirting with it, there was this very real sensation that I was could just let this deal go. And I was flirting with it because I just couldn't I just could barely hang on. And so I basically flirted and then I just went, yeah. And I couldn't feel my body, and it was kind of wavy, and I was kind of in and out of existing at all. It was just kind of wavy. And I started to get like this kind of uh, sparkling, like it was like the sparkling l- sense of kind of wavy in and out and sparkling, you know? And then all of a sudden, poof, I found myself like in essence form hovering over top of. My body.
1: So you were actually like, it felt like you were floating and you were watching? No,
0: it didn't feel like it. I was looking at the body on the ground. It
1: was happening.
0: Uh, it was, I was literally looking at it. I was looking at it from above, down below, and seeing the individual bodies around it, looking to, to you know, accommodate. And uh, with no feeling of the body down there... Yeah. And looking at it. And the first thing that that came out that was it, it wasn't that I was in a state where I was talking or feeling. Literally this sentience washed through me. And I basically the sentience was I knew this was a dream. I knew this wasn't real. Like poof, like this. Look at the body and went, I knew this wasn't real. Like that. Wow. And and it was it was just like the pivotal shift of this existence. And so, you know, it was, it seemed like at that point though, it seemed like I was leaving. Like it wasn't like I was hanging out and I'm going to go back in yeah, there. And yeah, do, yeah. It was like, this is like on the way out. I knew this was a dream. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden this yearning from inside, as I felt this kind of dissolving sense I all of a sudden had this yearning from inside to go back and finish what I started. I mean, Meaning wow. the the journey in my body with my with that experience in life. I just all of a sudden had this yearning where it was like, I need to finish what I started. And so it was almost like oh, I it was almost like uh uh you, you wish for something, but then as soon as you get it, you're like, no, 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 no. I don't want that. <laughs> That's kind of what it was like. Yeah. I and can so, imagine. so then I, it was like almost this yearning sensation, like heart center yearning, like, like uh, you know, pulling from inside magnetically. And I did this. And as I was yearning, I just started pulling, 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 pulling. And then all of a sudden I received like coherence inside the body. All of a sudden I woke up inside the body. The body's broken down. I mean, it didn't, all of a sudden I'm coming back into Mm -hmm. the senses and all of the, you know, the, the difficulty that I was in. But the thing is, is that now in the body who showed up now was not who left, who shows up the, the, the energy behind who, who showed up the sentience that showed back up in the body was not the same as what left. And so this was like, time to rise.
1: What would you say were the things that were not um, in this new self? What, what, did, what did you leave?
0: There's no, the, there, the, the, the concept of the challenge of the trying to get this, figure out what's going on, the how do I heal this, the how can I get away from this pain? It was gone. It was like, time to rise. Like there's, there's no, Oh, I don't know how I'm going to do that. No, there's no question of it. Oh, I don't like this pain. What? No, no. It's time to rise. So then it was now my relation to the pain, the broken down body, the is entirely different. The perspective shift was quantum shift. Yeah. And so now it wasn't, how is this going to be done? It wasn't what's going to happen for this. It was, let's do this.
1: Yeah. That's no, what
0: showed up was, let's do this.
1: No looking back. just
0: yeah. Let's do this. Yeah. And so, you know, on a side note to finish this, because I'm going to pass, because I want to pass this over to you so that people can get a sense and, and a feel from, from your journey as well. I want to just quick fast track uh, to a side note. That is that my dance with contemporary medicine Ended. Not right at that point because I started nursing myself back and I went on a serious peel back journey of when I couldn't move the body, I was in full on study meditation breath while I was morning to night peeling the onion. The, the, I went back through some of these uh, chemos until I finally went, oh, yeah, yeah see you later like enough yeah i i did it you know what i'm going to tell you that because of the way that this speaker here is i did it because i told them i would and then coming back part yes okay and so i honored my word then i changed the arrangement instead of not coming back and trying to evade what was said I went back to encounter what I had started, and then I changed the arrangements. I went through some pretty grueling rounds and then went, you know what? The arrangement ends. I'm going. Yeah. I'm out. I'm not coming back. The, this arrangement ends. And obviously, I was not taken very well. The, the medical side did not yeah. take this very well at all. And then... Uh, basically, after uh, some time, I was still in pretty rough shape. It took quite some time to get back into shape. Years, actually, to get into a certain state. But, uh, you know, I had family and everyone in grave concern because I had just stepped out. And the condition that I was in was pretty intense. Yeah. So they were had major concern about me stepping out. So I had agreed with my wife that I would go and because I said... Okay, I will do a a check with you. If you want me to go see an oncologist, we found uh, one of the top oncologists, national oncologists, and we had to go to Mexico City and we went to see this oncologist. I said, I agree to go through this, but I'm going through it in order that I can finish this. And so we went to this, you know, top oncologist and basically, you know, I went through the tests, I agreed to the tests but a totally different sentience had shown up for these tests. And so at that point, I didn't care what the tests say. You know what I'm saying? I didn't care what the tests said. You already knew. I was going, yeah, I'm going through it going, all right, you want me to do this? I'll do this. So then I get the, um, after I do the tests, this oncologist basically tells my wife and I that the outlook is bleak, meaning that this is not a good, this doesn't look good. And because at that point, I obviously still had these tumor masses in my body, right? And basically, he said that without this highly complicated open chest procedure, you are absolutely not going to make it. And... I, you know, I kind of told my wife, we had another night there and I said, you know what? I just want to step back from this. I just want to step back from it. And so we're like, oh, okay. And he's already trying to make appointments. He's going, so we're going to do this and we're going to open up your chest. I mean, they're going to crack open my ribs and open my chest up. Uh, And I'm like, look, I'm going to, we'll we'll come see you tomorrow. You know, like I need to think about this. But really what it was, was I just need to get out of this room because I'm going to get strong armed here and try to put me into the into the you know into the wash so so we go back and i told my wife you know this is this is just you know what i'm i'm not i didn't come for this i'm not doing this i looked up the procedures and it's like you know this is like you know great chance of dying from the procedure itself i'm like you know what we went back there and we went to see this oncologist and this was where i dropped the mic on on the on the contemporary medical system Mm. went to the oncologist Saw him in his office, was with my wife, and the oncologist basically said, all right, have you finally come to your senses, basically? And here's when I can do this. And I basically said, nope, not going to happen. And he just looked at me with a glare, like in shock. And he basically said, you fool, you are committing suicide. Wow. Those were his, 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 he said, you're committing suicide. Whether he called me a fool or some other term, it was a derogatory term of someone who is being an idiot. Yeah. And his direct words were, you're committing suicide. And my wife was like, how dare you say that? How dare you talk to us like that? I was already out. I didn't even care. I'm like, see you later. And I just dropped the mic. I'm like, bye. See you later. I don't want your tests. I don't want any of your business none i'm out
1: wow that's pretty impressive pretty <laughs> impressive
0: so you know from that point um from the medical standpoint i was you know about to die and committing suicide from my standpoint i was let's do this
1: you were rising I, i'm
0: here to do the deal exactly i told you i'm here to rise watch this
1: and it, it sounds like uh wow it's uh it's impressive what way the the amount of way that the fear factor has in all of this no mm-hmm. like it it almost seems like it's like their tool to manipulate it sure does seem that way it sure does it really does yeah. isn't that interesting because
0: it seems like that is the go to tool in this
1: realm the mo <laughs> uh, for sure
0: what about you bro let's let's turn the mic before i melt this one tell Absolutely. me let's Absolutely. let's let's uh, why don't you introduce us into yours because you have an absolutely incredible health uh, journey opportunity as well that you've been through.
1: Absolutely. With pleasure. But first, uh, thanks for sharing, Jay. It's oh, an amazing story. You're welcome. Thank and, you. And uh, congrats. It means, I mean...
0: Well, you hear the voice right now.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> We're here. That's like... That was about 11 years ago. So, to yeah. Jay put it in perspective.
1: Demonstrated something that, you know, from the medical perspective was... Like a fact that was going to take place, right. and then you he- just eliminate the and bye. Yeah, no. Yeah, congratulations, my friend. Thank you. So yeah, uh, I had a, an, a health opportunity as well. Um, just a bit of context. I come from a family of six brothers, um, and of course, my amazing parents that along the way they always stood out for me during this difficult episode of my life. They had your back. Absolutely. Um, I was 17 at the time, and um, I have, you know, the, the way they communicated this to me at that time is that I had a very high tolerance of pain, Mm-hmm. You know? and so this weekend I was just, you know, spending the weekend, I was actually in Valle de Bravo in the state of Mexico City, and, uh, and I just started having this uh, stomach pain. Like a stomachache, and this was Sunday. Uh, the pain went on and off on and off during Sunday to Monday. Of course, I didn't go to school that mon- Monday morning. I stayed at home. The pain was kind of increasing. Um, I went to the to to uh, the doctor. And uh, at that time, you know, I, I'm a family of six, and I, I'm the second one, oldest. No, so there's four, four of my. So you're number two. I'm number two. Two of six. Two of six, correct. And so, you know, my youngest youngest brother is eleven years younger than me. Mm-hmm. No, and so, but that time she was he was um, uh, six years old. So my mom was into the pa- pediatricians. Right. No, so mm-hmm. so the first doctor I saw was, was a pediatrician. A, a pediat- Trition, um, and at 17 years old, that didn't actually made a lot of sense, but uh, I was there, and um, he uh, sent me back home. He said, uh, "You are, you, you you might have appendicitis, so we are going to need to operate." No, so I went home, started getting ready for the hospital, and then the pain increased dramatically, mm. and suddenly it ended, like it turned off it was turned off i i stopped feeling pain and that's so when it like
0: hit the peak and then cut and you weren't feeling it
1: I wasn't but it wasn't just went
0: peak and then all of a sudden it went to, no. to
1: zero basically okay it was an amazing rest <clears throat> you no know? for me it was no like Whoa. after days of pain right? right and supposedly this is when the appendix burst okay so that's when it, it changed from appendicitis to peritonitis Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, I was in the hospital in Mexico City for four operations during three months. I was under many, many drugs. And going in and out of the hospital these, these four, for these four operations, uh, they installed an ileostomy mm. uh, in, my, in my belly. So, essentially, I was going to the bathroom through right. the abdomen. Mm-hmm. You know? They disconnect the, the uh, intestines and, you know, they you know you, you have to add a little bag and, mm-hmm. you know be careful and take care of it you know so so it works anyway that that was kind of like the state i was during these first four operations so um, you
0: went you went basically full steam ahead from this pain on the weekend to full on medical team
1: absolutely it was it was crazy because the the day i went in they found that uh, uh, because of my high tolerance in, of pain, uh, the appendix burst hours before they actually opened up my, my stomach so, or my, my abdomen. And so everything was infected.
0: Quote, unquote.
1: Quote, unquote. Right. Infected mm-hmm. within the peritoneum. Mm-hmm. No? And so they had to remove or take out my intestines, the, the whole intestines, clean them, little by little and then you know placing the intestines back on the body. Right. And the
0: intestines aren't used to being outside the body.
1: No no they don't like it. <laughs> at all. <laughs> wow, no doubt. And wow. so that happened uh, two times in these four in these first four operations in Mexico City.
0: No? What was the time frame in these four operations?
1: Um, it was about about uh, four months actually. Okay. So one a month basically. One a month basically uh, the first for uh, the first two operations, I went into the hospital and then back to my house with the ileostomy. Right. But then I started getting uh, intestinal occlusions. So that's when, when the intestine is um, infected, quote unquote, from the outside, it automatically blocks Close itself. It. Uh-huh. No, uh, so It's like a, a mechanism of, up. of defense you know, uh-huh. in a way. And so everything starts accumulating. Yeah, And if the intestine um, expands like a balloon, that's when the pain really, really is felt. Now, If you actually cut with a, with a scissor, <laughs> to, just to make an example, but if you cut your intestine, you may even not even feel it. Mm-hmm. But if it expands like a balloon, then the pain gets really, really dramatic. Mm-hmm. So that's when, when I had these uh, intestinal occlusions. Uh, they had to. They called me in again at the hospital, and after the third operation, I didn't go out of the hospital any longer. So I stayed there basically for two and a half months, mm-hmm. waiting from the operation number three to the operation number four, and all of these operations had to do with cleaning the inside mm-hmm. and removing the infection. Mm-hmm. Um, after the third surgery, I had this constant pain. It was a constant pain, I remember it perfectly. Like if you felt it for five minutes, it wouldn't actually disturb you. But if you feel it for three days, then yeah. it comes to a point that you, you can't, can't take it anymore. It anymore. No? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's when that's when I went into the most critical personal part because um, the doctor said, this guy is blowing up. I was like inflated, no? Right, and there wasn't enough time to go into the OR, so they the doctor just told my parents. And
0: and when you say inflated, you're talking about that you are basically inflamed.
1: Inflamed.
0: So it's liquid. That it's it's bloating with liquid. It's bloating with air. What's it?
1: I think it's a mix between liquid and air. Got it. No, it was like it was horrible. I Mm -hmm. was super big, but I didn't feel that heavy. But I was super expanded. Yeah. No. And so there wasn't time that this is what the doctor said. And they were rushing into the room and they said, we don't have time to get to the OR. So it's time to to open him up and see if it's the if it's the um, the uh, incision or or if it's or or if the problem, it's actually inside. Mm -hmm. So I went into the shower into my hospital room and they opened up. In like the, the, the first the first level of you know uh, skin I actually saw my muscles how were how they were tied together mm. underneath the skin Wow and that's when they figured that the infection wasn't in the outside it was actually again in the inside mm-hmm. so then I had to rush back to the OR and this is where I, I was holding my dad's hand and uh, it was very very difficult for both of us, of course, no doubt. Um, but this is where I told him, dad, let them open me and fix me, please. If I don't go through this, never, ever um, uh, take it on you. No, mm. this is, this is not your fault. Wow. And so I, I, I said these words to him and, and, and immediately we, we both started crying. And that's when I went into the OR for the last time and I, I say the last time because I didn't wake up f- from that operation, but 10 days after, so I was in a induced coma mm-hmm. for 10 days. There was nothing to do in Mexico. There was nothing to do. My legs were basically already uh, gangren- gangrenated um, and couldn't even move them, uh, basically. Um, and so I went into this artificial coma um, and woke up. 10 days after in Texas, in Houston, Texas. Hello. Uh, And for me, that was super shocking because without knowing, I fell asleep in my country, you know, listening to my language. My family was there. The smells, the energy of the hospital, everything was like, I was already used to it. Used to it. I I, I was, I've been there for three months. Yeah. Or uh, almost four months. No, actually four months. So then I got to Houston and when I, Uh, woke up, Uh, it turns out that I became an addict, and also... uh, um, You became an addict? I became an addict of the medicine they used to induce this coma, and they used basically Demerol and morphine, which both of them are kind of like... put you to sleep forever. Brothers and sisters. Yeah. It's, yeah, and and then when I was waking up of that... um, morphine and Demerol and all, I started having horrible hallucinations. And these hallucinations were like in a super high definition format. You know, I I could see the very slightest detail. Mm-hmm. You know? And uh, they were horrible hallucinations. I can go into that in in, in another, another episode podcast. for sure. Um, Take them down that rabbit hole, will ya? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's a good one. And... Uh, after those hallucinations, uh, they were there were seven more operations, Oof. like open abdomen operations. Man. And in a way, I was lucky, quote unquote, because they were just receiving this new machine that was for this uh, purpose only. So essentially what they did is that they opened my abdomen and then inserted like a sponge, sort of a sponge, uh-huh. that was connected to a tube that sucked whatever was inside of the, of the cavity, uh-huh. and then that was frozen. Once frozen, that was sent into the lab to see if it was already clear, and so it, once it's clear, then they can close you up again, mm-hmm. you know? and this was done seven times. Wow. In the next uh, in the next month, uh, there. No, of course I I remained with the with the ileostomy, so I was still, um, you know, using that mechanism. And uh, after that, you know, it was it was intense. I lost, basically, I went from 165 pounds to 110 pounds. Mm-hmm. So I lost 25 kilos. That amounts. Uh, 55 pounds more or less. Mm-hmm. So I was completely emaciated and, you know, couldn't even move. I, I, I actually, when I, uh, down in a, in a yoga mat or a mat of this foam, mm-hmm. uh, material, and then I moved to the other side, I could actually see my whole skeleton like printed in the mat.
0: Like the memory foam kind of where it leaves. Correct. The... Wow. Yeah.
1: It was amazing. Um, wow. So, you know, that, that was, uh, in a nutshell, the experience essentially was nine months uh, with an ileostomy, and also during the this whole opportunity, I, they also diagnosed my intestine with a Crohn's disease, and I'm not sure how this really works, but they told me that since I had the Crohn's disease... I am from a Germanic perspective, but we'll get into that. We'll get into that. (laughs) (laughs) But since I had this Crohn's disease, they couldn't touch the intestine because it disintegrated. It started bleeding, and it, it basically disintegrated. So when they tried to do the ileostomy, the idea is that the intestine rises above the skin so that the skin doesn't close. Right. But uh, since they couldn't even touch the intestine, the the ileostomy ended up being below or under the skin. Mm-hmm. So the skin was, you know, closing and closing every time. Right. And so during those nine months of ileostomy, your body
0: wanted to close up. The for last thing sure. it wants to do is be open to the external world. <laughs> its point is to be in its internal space.
1: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so um, I also had to dilate my you know, the, the ileostomy, yeah. I had to dilate it every day, three times a day for those nine months, uh-huh. uh, so that it never closed. And then, you know, because if it, if it closed it, if it closed, that would occasion, uh, that, that would generate another intestinal occlusion. Mm-hmm. And so it couldn't. Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of like the, the, the experience during these nine months of, wow, of therapy you no know, or, or you know bro this is intense this story is. is intense it is It and, is. and so so now what and so i was disconnected with the ileostomy for nine months mm-hmm. and after nine months they told me um they did some tests and you know things like that and they said you're ready to be reconnected you no know, and for me personally that was like a rebirth it was oof, amazing news you know, because it's it's shocking when you when you wake up one day and you see all your abdomen cut open, open. With, with with many <laughs> uh, scarings and things.
0: Yeah, there's big shocks there.
1: And so you know, uh, for me it was like a new life. Um, and yeah, and you know. Uh,
0: and so they said you're ready to be reconnected, meaning that they're going to pull their apparatuses out and allow your system to operate on its own. Uh, uh, diligence to let yourself Correct. operate without that external system.
1: Correct, and uh, and so they did. No, I went. I flew to Boston mm-hmm. uh, this time in, into a, a, another hospital, of course, with a Mexican doctor. And uh, so you
0: were a little closer to home.
1: I was a little closer, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah. So that that's where I kind of like you know uh, returned to normal, if I may. No. Okay after that uh connecting operation and 2 years later um uh, I had stones and, you know stones were generated between my gallbladder and my pancreas and so those stones uh were removed as well another another operation mm. um and that was the last the last of the operations I reentered my my life with friends family and you know uh in a, in a very seamless way, like if nothing of this had happened. It was just like a dream. It was like a dream. And that was really amazing because for me, like at that time, it was normal to get to, to, get to my life, like, you know. Get on with it. Get on with it and continue. Yeah.
0: Well, you were, I mean, you were a teenager. What were you, 18 at that point then? 18 at that point. Yeah, so you're like, I want my life
1: back now. Exactly. And you just dove into it i dove into it not questioning anything and years later years later when we started interacting and kind of like noticing and analyzing these pieces of experience uh i i came into you know this this idea that of course everything happens for a reason everything is connected everything has its its you know explanations and things so you know uh, I, I basically understood that I went into my life as I was, uh, completely asleep mm. and many, many years after, uh, I started waking up thanks to you, my friend oh, thank and you, understanding these, uh, these different veils right. that need to be peeled discarded, back. peeled yeah, back yeah, to yeah. kind of understand what's really happening and what's really, really taking place. No. Wow. And, yeah, you know...
0: um. Wow, man. That's, I mean, that's pretty pretty heavy duty, pretty heavy experience. Um, What would you say is, when you had, for those two months in between, basically you had your final operation, but there was two months in between that, and during that two months, what was your outlook? Because once they said, we're going to connect you, you were kind of like... I'm moving on from this? Well. Like you're ready to be reconnected? Is that kind of where you started to see the light and went,
1: let's do this. I'm ready to move forward or? I actually saw the light even before I was reconnected. Okay. I was I was willing and ready to live my life with the ileostomy. Oh, okay. I was ready. You were okay with if that's the way
0: it was, that's the way it was.
1: If you knew me at that time, you would find me in nightclubs, in restaurants of course uh-huh uh, in you know friends traveling uh-huh. i did everything nothing limited me uh-huh with with the ileostomy and, and you're like i'm doing that anyway I'm i going found right that, back that there that. there you know there's nfl players with ileostomy that actually play
0: really yeah wow watch out for the tackling it could get it could, <laughs> it could get, get ugly nasty. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: wow that's Wow.
1: But those 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 you know those findings of NFL players with alopecia and things like that were like tools that helped me to accept my current status. And for sure months went by and when they gave me the the, the news that I was going to be reconnected, of course I saw more light. Of course I was really happy and looking yeah, forward for it. Drop the bag. Absolutely. Absolutely. Pardon my French, but drop the bag of shit. <laughs> <laughs> I dropped it
0: no so, doubt pardon my language
1: no no that's it was actually it was it was a bag of shit, well
0: so. I mean ultimately right <laughs> Wow thank you for sharing that bro that's it's just so powerful and every time you know I've we've we've communicated our 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 healing opportunities and our health opportunities some different times and every time it's like oof like wow no and um and You know, I think that what we're going to find through how we communicate through this podcast is we're going to be able to draw upon. I mean, there's so many different pieces and details that aren't even in this, you know, in this episode and how to draw upon them to be able to, you know, there's people that are going through this stuff. And, you know, to foreshadow a bit, we are going to be introducing uh, ways that we have been able to interpret what we went through. In an entirely different paradigm. And so that's not for this podcast, but to actually know from an entirely different scientific paradigm, from a different biological paradigm, what we actually went through and what stages we were in and the difference of the stage you're in from the um, contemporary system to the stages you're in when you're aligned with how your actual biology works. It's pretty intense.
1: It's super, super intense. And yeah, I just want to say that all of this story that we just shared, uh, a lot of it uh, came like thinking towards medicine in the allopathic way. Mm-hmm. But as, as Jay mentioned, you know, once we are uh, we start analyzing these same experiences, but from another perspective, from another medical perspective, uh, another biological paradigm biological better said Mm -hmm. um, yes everything changes so that's that's you know that's coming up
0: we're going to there's going to be some incredible ways that we're going to peel this back and it's going to be really significant for people who are either going through an experience um, uh, have been through an experience and hopefully also that it can assist for someone who can uh, maybe even potentially avoid a situation from the wisdom that can come through here and avoid something that could be very, very intense. So, um, you know, I think that that's kind of key that segues to, um, you know, our podcast and the topics that we're going to engage in.
1: And, uh, yeah, I, I mean, we we must say that this podcast is super, super relevant for what we're doing. And uh, I don't know, Jay, do you want to uh, comment on... What's the relevance of these podcasts, you know what like Well,
0: so you know, I mean obviously what we're what we're sharing through this podcast, its relevance is so significant because as you peel things back, the the ultimate point of our existence here is to find out, to realize who we are, to actually self-realize. And you know, some of the topics that we're gonna be engaging in may be considered controversial because you need to get controversial in order to break some of these rigid beliefs and yet will be very significant on this mission because you know healing and awakening they're synonymous and they are absolutely necessary. And so, you know, topics like advanced healing and, and awakening practices, obviously, a lot of the different practices and, and things that are that, that have been meaningful and shaped this process, but also the deception in the industries. I mean, the deception in the medical industry, that's going to be coming out because we have firsthand uh, really significant experience through that. You know, and then it, it really is kind of uh, pans through all the industries, whether it's food, agriculture, through, you know, religion, media, governments, ooh. I mean, <laughs> ooh, AI, psychedelics, I mean, you name it. And the point is to bring out the relevance and to be able to see, you know, the significance of these things. And so, you know, bringing attention through awareness, disrupting unhealthy patterns so that we can support the healing and awakening of not just the one, the self, but of humankind. To awaken to the great work, a.k.a. self-realization.
1: Absolutely. And I'm glad you mentioned this because uh, we have a few minutes to close this uh, first episode. Okay. And uh, I want to introduce Sacred Dynamics. no, Because Mm -hmm. this is the Sacred Dynamics podcast. You may be asking yourself, what is Sacred Dynamics?
0: Yeah. What is that supposed to mean? Great question, Ro. And very important. First off what is in a name this name in particular is so deeply profound it was really gleaned energetically through a culmination of experience all the way down to a symbol so it has a very uh meaningful background let me tell you and when you look at for example when you look at the sacred dynamics logo There's a symbol created out of the two Ds, the D at the end of sacred and the D at the beginning of dynamics. That symbol is known as the phi or the golden ratio. Also, the Fibonacci sequence is derived here. The golden ratio is a sequence pattern that is evident in all natural life. The spiral from the shape of your ear to the shape of a shell, the ratio of the length of your finger joints, I mean, you can see uh, all sorts of images when you look online and look and see what this is. It's like profound. It's this sacred spiral. Definitely. And that's why when we say sacreddynamics.com with one D, we're relating it to the infused single symbol of Phi. Both Ds become one, the circle with the vertical line through it. So now the sacred, because that's, so there's the symbol. Mm-hmm. And, and it and, and speaks in the two Ds, and that's why we join and say it's one. Now, the sacred in sacred dynamics does not necessarily mean holy in the religious sense, but rather refers to permanent or timeless truth. And dynamics, well, the dictionary says uh, the forces and motions that characterize a system. You see?
1: Wow. <laughs> Very nice, Jay. I think it's a great cl- uh, uh, explanation and so powerful and deep, profound, I would say. Mm. Not just a cool name you came up with uh, in an over Weekend. Over the Weekend. (laughs) Yeah,
0: exactly. (laughs) No, (laughs) Weekend, no. Lifetimes, yes. This this name basically synthesized through this instrument. And not to complicate this, of course, you know, at times I can go full black belt, as you know. (laughs) (laughs) So, <laughs> For sure. but, but I can actually, uh, I actually broke this name down into shapes, patterns, numero- numerology, like numerological values. Values, I mean, you know. Anyway, there it is. Let's put it this way: Sacred Dynamics was, is, and will always be eternal.
1: Wow, very nice, descripted. Incredible, I would say. Mm. So, Jay. What is Sacred Dynamics actually about for those of our listeners who are new to it?
0: Mm, Okay, yeah, very key. Sacred Dynamics is an exclusive, bespoke learning and mentorship process. It's intuitively drawing from ancient knowledge, sacred sciences, timeless wisdom, energetic healing, and awakening arts self-mastery leads to self-realization this process also known as the great work in many sacred traditions of the world is the synthesis and actualization of the total holistic being
1: wow very nice and powerful now how could you describe a little about what happens in sacred dynamics well
0: One finds out that, first off, one finds that true wisdom and intuitive guidance is rare.
1: Well, that's for sure.
0: And so, Sacred Dynamics offers this guidance with training and support for this healing and awakening process.
1: And what are some of the modalities or themes that Sacred Dynamics incorporates?
0: Drawing from... Timeless self-knowledge, the wisdom of the universal heart, intuitive guided breathwork and mind training techniques, holistic wellness tools, uh, the German new medicine, the GHK, the five biological laws, uh, you know, mind-body training and spiritual practices. And, you know, we, we take this quantum leap together through it.
1: Nice. And another question that jumps right off, who is it for?
0: Mm. Well, Sacred Dynamics is for those uh, discerning souls, uh, you know, souls who are ripe, who who are seeking, um, who are, uh, you know, vying for healing, seeking, you know, deeper healing and awakening guidance. And of course, for looking for unity, for truth, you know, self-realization. And, you know, definitely those who have an urge to go beyond what's holding them back from being healed and realized right now.
1: Amazing. And this applies for men and women alike,
0: right? Yeah, men and women alike. You know, it's actually, it's what's interesting is uh, that first off, the term man which I find very interesting. You ask people, w- but why do you call it man? Where does man come from? Man or womb man, which is what woman is, of course, man with womb, woman. Man is short for manifester. Ooh. Manifesters. And both are a living interplay because as a man or a womb man, as a man or a woman, the Uh, Both are a living interplay of both feminine and masculine energies. Because, you know, spirit self is beyond gender. So we take on a body of gender. um, And of course, I understand that that seems to be a controversial topic these days. Mm -hmm. But not to misunderstand it. Man or woman, you are a manifestor. And so there's an interesting thing to point out between the whole man-woman when it comes to this work because the unified self is beyond gender. It's the unified state.
1: Interesting. Very interesting. And and why is that?
0: So, well, the the thing about the uh, why is the intertwining of masculine and feminine? The thing is, is that I'm going to tell you naturally there is a higher percentage of women in general that are doing this work currently. And that's What is, you know, I mean, that's kind of interesting, no? Oh, yeah. And, you know, one could say that women, by nature, are more body connected, more emotion connected, empathetic. They're closer to surrender and the inner world by nature, by the feminine, the nature of the feminine energy. Because a woman is essentially leaning towards the feminine energetic side based on the structure based on the sensation of course there's interpretation here which we get into in another uh, podcast because there's a lot of misguidance in that field but this is so meaningful and so important because you know I mean basically uh, you know we got to Uh, You know, there's more women coming in involved because they're close to this, uh, to these, the surrender stage. They're closer to the, you know, what we're, what we're talking about in the work.
1: Wow. That's very interesting. So come
0: on, man. Let's do this. Let's do this. Let's all do it. No, this, this work goes beyond the body and mind, brother. And balance is key as we've talked about. And you need to center to balance. So, the masculine and feminine, as said, they intertwine in the great work
1: mm-hmm. and what would you say are there um are the experiences people have through sacred dynamics
0: completely profound,
1: amazing. <laughs> Just That's like a, that. that. That's a great answer. It, it, they, they truly are. It's a fact. So there you have it, friends. Let's wrap wrap up this uh, first podcast with a summary. During this first episode, we covered profound topics. Jay and my personal intros and health opportunities. Jay unveils his gripping odyssey through a stage four cancer diagnosis. Define, defining the odds to achieve a miraculous recovery that defines... Medical explanations. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the other hand, I shared my har- uh, harrowing encounters with the medical system, recounting on a staggering seven surgeries mm-hmm. and the unexpected trap of opiate addiction.
0: Yeah, that's insane, man! What you went through, bro.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, th- their parallel narratives serve as a testament to the extraordinary and profound bond that birth the Sacred Dynamics podcast. Mm -hmm. So as you know, and as we always mention it, our mission and purpose is to support the restoration of humanity through the healing and awakening process. The true commitment starts with oneself and then radiates outward to all beautiful souls. Yes. So yeah, if you like what you're listening to, please do share this with your friends and family. And of course... Stay tuned for our next episode, in which we will take a closer look at your uh, at uh, your healing and awakening, uh, personal realization, and the Sacred Dynamics quantum leap. Mm-hmm. It's going to be great. Mm-hmm. We will reach out on what Sacred Dynamics is more profoundly. We will reach into Jay's personal healing and awakening process, which is super impactful, very rich. Mm-hmm. And we will mention some of the key hindrances and important accelerators that directly apply to the process, uncovering some practical tips that you, our audience, can apply to your daily experience and practice. And finally, we're going to talk about the upcoming Sacred uh, Mastery School. No, this is something mm-hmm. that it's cooking mm-hmm. right in the oven. That's right, it's cooking. And <laughs> hopefully we can share some great things with you guys. Mm-hmm. It's very significant and an absolute beauty. We hope you guys enjoyed it and we encourage you to engage with us. So please connect with us through Instagram at SacredDynamics with 1D. Visit our website, sacreddynamics.com again with 1D, or you can join our Telegram channel at sacreddynamics1d.
0: Indeed. Thank you for listening to the Sacred Dynamics podcast. Until next time, stay connected through conscious breath and grounded presence. Namaste.
1: Namaste.